Okay, everybody, welcome to episode two of Mass Movement Presents, or the return of Sattler and Waldorf, if you prefer. <laughs> I'm Chris, and uh, once again, I'm joined by Tim, who is my friend, uh, his Stimpy. Thank you to everybody who listened to or downloaded episode one. Tim and I have been quite overwhelmed it's with the quite response. Appreciated. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, quite surprising. Little project we thought we'd set up. It's, uh, you know, just to sort of give something different to Mass Movement, and uh, it's turned out to be quite successful so far from you know from yeah it's it's, it's one episode in yeah it's been yeah, it's quite surprising um so you know it's, it's you think you're going to do something and nobody's going to pay any attention to it whatsoever but it turns out the people did they, they did indeed enjoyed it. yeah and yeah so thank you very much i'm <laughs> flattered yeah i mean we're hoping to sort of uh in the next couple of weeks we should be on apple music uh via podbean yeah. yeah all posh like yeah so you can uh We'll be available to more people, more hardcore kids, more disgruntled hardcore kids like, us, like ourselves. There's a legion of us out there, just <laughs> aging and just increasingly looking at getting up in the morning thinking, is this my life? Is this what it's become? This is dreadful. This is shocking. I need something to get out of bed. And th- this isn't the reason to get out of bed. It's just, you know, there are other better reasons to get out of bed, like coffee and, you know. Exactly. Not lying there till you die. <laughs> But we are, you know, aged hardcore kids, and we always be hardcore kids, and we, we we've been talking about how, how sort of well, we, you wanted to pose a moral question, didn't yeah. you? Involving so, so it's something I've done since since I was fifteen or sixteen, right? But I'm wondering, does it make you shallow, right, or does it make you less of a person if you judge somebody else based solely on their taste in music? Personally, I don't think it does. It's what I've always done. I've always judged people. So say you see some indie fop kids wearing some dreadful t-shirts, some shoegazing band that you know are dead boring, and you know they're going to intellectualise the living hell out of everything you say. Oh, yeah, well, I don't want to really talk about this. No, 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 That's not what I meant. I just meant this. I would automatically judge them and think, well, how, how is the night going to end if you go drinking with them? Well, it's going to end up with you in a police cell and them testifying against you in front of the beacon in the next morning, because it's just... <laughs> Yeah. So, well, is it, but it, does it make you less of a person if you judge somebody based solely on what they listen to? Well, again, I mean, I've done exactly the same thing. I don't know if it's the hardcore thing or whatever, but I mean, you go into work, and the big thing has been on when you go into work, and it's sort of they have these days where you can wear what you like. Yeah. yeah. And you wear uh, a Mad Ball t-shirt, a not different t-shirt, right. and, and they go, oh. What's that then? What, who's that? And then you, you try to explain and they go, oh, so it's metal, like Metallica. And you go, no, no, no. And they go, I go, it's punk, more, more to do with punk. Yeah. Oh, so Sex Pistols. It's like, no, you really haven't got a clue. And I, can't, I don't want to talk to you no more. So therefore, <laughs> I think that person's been judged but by it, me. But is it, is it, you know, is it your frustration of their lack of knowledge or is it just the fact that they're ignorant of what we're a part of? You know what I mean? So, so yeah. So it's, we... Because this has been part of our lives for so long, right? We don't even think about having to explain to somebody who these bands are or what we listen to or the scene we're a part of. Because it's just, to us, it's second nature. But to somebody new coming into it, they're like, so what's all this about then? And well, find out for yourself. Do it the hard way. Yeah. I just think sometimes these these people, like like the example I gave, they've obviously known Metallica. There was a time when I only knew Metallica. But I I dug deeper. Yeah, and I read thanks lists, and I wanted to know more. And but it's like looking on the inside of album covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Montages and 
people were wearing bad t-shirts you see like a life sentence t-shirt or you'd see a corrosion conformity t-shirt and yeah. you think I want to hear this and I want to hear that or somebody thank Ludicrous I want to hear I want to know who Ludicrous are exactly and I think that's where it progresses I mean for me it was like when I was 15, 16 there was a you sort of move from like traditional metal into thrash and that kind of thing right yeah but at the same time there's still a group of blokes and people who were left behind you know the, the people that time forgot sort of listening to that LA sunset strip big poodle hair farming <laughs> terrible rock and roll nonsense and I always used to refer to them as the as the this sounds terrible like the gay rock crusaders right because they'd be wearing like tassel leather jackets yeah, yeah, okay. like, and, they'd, and they'd, the hair would all be yeah. done up and stuff and I bumped into one of them the other day and he's a nice bloke and I just kept thinking I was I was horrible to you when you were a kid. You know, I remember trying to drown you in a toilet or threatening to drown you in a toilet just because you Brilliant. just because you were wearing a Cinderella t-shirt. You know, I remember ripping into your mates mercilessly because they were wearing Motley Crue t-shirts. They were all ripped and they were trying to show off their pecs. And it's all about trying to pull whatever woman or trying to do that kind of thing and you know trying to appeal to the opposite sex and prove that you're great because you listen to Theatre of Pain sixteen times in a row on a on a Sunday morning. Something which I think is a grand achievement if you've ever done it because it's a dire album <laughs> at the best of times. I'm just going to remove the uh, the vinyl behind you. There's a Motley Crue album right behind you right I, now. I, you know, the book, the book, The, the Dirt, yeah, yeah, that was far more interesting than anything the band ever did musically. Yeah, and the first album I agree with is, that. The first album's pretty good. It's got a sort of, you know, 77 LA punk thing going on in it, which, yeah, makes it okay. It's easy enough to listen to, but... All the rest of that. Docker, Warrant, and oh, <laughs> good grief! Probably Motley like, Crew. There was a there was a Docker. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know George. I've seen I've seen George Lynch on, on a couple of car shows. He's got decent tasting cars. Horrendous taste in music, but decent tasting cars. So do I judge George Lynch based solely on his music or the fact that you know George Lynch likes a seventy one in Parliament? Do I do I? Well, I don't know. See, and this is the thing that's coming become more apparent the older I get. Do we judge people based solely on the taste of music? And does it make it more shallow if we do? And you know what? I'm going to. And I don't care if it makes me shallow. Because I'm, I'm going to continue to do it. It's it's worked out for me so far. Um, yeah. I've only taken a few lumps and knocks for it. And, you know, I'll, I'll probably take a few lumps yeah. and knocks more because I can't run as fast as I used to. And my hip gives out <laughs> every half a mile or so. I'm flushing the head uh, down the toilet thing, though. Is there anything else I'm, you want to confess? What were you? Oh, mate. The, uh, we, we could be here all night if I was... So we'll true have a we'll have a true confessions show another time. Further down the road. road, or maybe I introduce a segment. True confession number seventy-seven. <laughs> what I what, what I did to the lady that lived down the road from me when I was seventeen years old. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there. So I mean, staying on the uh, the music front. Right. What's been floating your boat this week? The new Sacred Rag album. The new Sacred Rag album. Oh is... my goodness. It's such a return to form. It's phenomenal. It's, yeah. it's but it's not a return to, you know, surf Nicaragua. It's more yeah. independent it, meets that early thrash vibe. Because yeah. there's two tracks on it. That's that's they, when they picked, yeah. There's two tracks on it that that uh, run straight into each other, like Death Valley and Revolution. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can just see the pick going off for when that comes on and like a bunch of old guys surging forward, chucking their walking canes to one side, you know, dropping our beers. Beer gut, belly, beer bellies, flopping from side to side, charging it in the pit and just raging it because it's incredible. It really is. I mean, I, I put it on and I was sort of, I realised straight away that I'd missed this band. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they haven't done anything since '96, uh, when they put out Heal, yeah. which was mediocre mm. at best. Yes, that's um, a good. That's a good... <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that was a band sort of very confused at the time. '96 was that's a band at the end of their tenure. That's a band yeah. going nowhere. They know metal was changing. Yeah, new metal was coming in, and they were a bit confused about everything. Never but, confused, never confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an astonishing album. Like, um, it comes out August twenty third. I, I interviewed Phil Ryan when they first got back together. Okay. To do the reunion. Yeah. And I asked him then. Is there any new music on the cards? Is this something you're going to do? And he's like, no, no, that's never going to happen. Because, you know, we're just going to go and play some shows. And it just goes to prove, right, the thrash gets in your blood. And once it's in there, it stays in there for good. And old thrashers might retire to suburbia, might get a white picket fence, and might be working a nine-to-five. But old thrashers never die. And thrash will always be with you. Yes, thrash will always be with you. Yeah. May the thrash be with you. That's a t-shirt, surely. Oh, it's got to be. <laughs> Copyright, right? Copyright. Copyright. <laughs> Who do you hear first? Yeah, so... Bloodstock. So, yeah, it's looking like a... Got violence playing as well. Yeah, well, that this is going to make me change my no-festival rule. Literally, sacred right and violence. I, I... They, they wouldn't have to announce anybody else. No, well, that's yeah, the thing. I've been waiting more than three decades to see violence. Yeah. Because when violence first started, the, the name first started coming forward, they were saying... Advert in some magazine, you know, Metal Forces or something, where you could write off to Mechanics Records, who were the yeah, yeah. UK label, and they'd send you a free tape, right? And sure enough, I mean, the tapes were slow to come through because I don't think they expected like hordes of rabid kids scrawling their names on pieces of paper. Give me the, give me the thrash, give me the thrash. <laughs> but you, everybody got their tapes, and when you heard this, it was like nothing else. This was taking like the technicality of testament fused it with the raw early emotion of of metallica and it was just oh my goodness it was just something spectacular and now you listen to like eternal nightmare and it is the greatest thrash metal album ever end of story i think we uh we, we touched upon our love of violence on the last episode i mean and we'll probably touch upon in the next episode and if anybody pisses off yeah. us, we'll obviously touch upon <laughs> our love of violence, mutual love of violence then but yes, yes. yeah no it, it's that is looking like a spectacular. Well, it's an amazing comeback. I mean, because Sean uh, Kinney, uh, Killian, Killian, sorry, yeah, yeah, he was nearly dead too. Yes, years ago. yeah, liver, uh, yeah, yeah, liver issues, didn't he? Yes, yeah, massive cirrhosis. Yeah, that's yeah. So to see him back uh, in the band, raging as he yeah. as he used to, it's uh, it's good to see. Well, Phil Demmel, you know, he's made the right decision. Yes. I wish Rob Flynn would make the right decision and go back to violence as well. <laughs> and yeah. That dire project machine head, which has been raging unchecked for more than two decades, and they should just stop. First album, stop after that, because everything else is just, oh, painful. Yeah. They were, they, Ben, we talked about the confusion earlier. I mean, around 96, they came right. up with that machine head, came up with that album with, uh, the, um, with, burn, with the Burning Red, is it? The uh, I have no idea. I'm sure it was the Burning Red, yeah. And Burning Red, where they, they, they sort of went new metal and rob had his hair in little twists and it was god awful <laughs> did that dire corn thing yes and but that said the first corn album is is really good yeah but after that it's just pat on pants yeah. so the, the lesson being children and it was just what people started replicating it and it was just called watered down watered down and you end up with limp biscuit exactly oh. yeah mtv darlings yeah just makes me shudder to even think of <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we're talking about like the old days it's Agnostic Front just announced their touring again. Yeah. Uh, November in the UK. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they're a band I will always go and see, regardless. Yeah. Because 
just incredible life but and i can't believe it's 35 years a bit of a pain yeah <laughs> i feel really old so yeah you were saying just before i wouldn't you, you couldn't get hold of it in the uk well, it wasn't even that it's just i don't think i mean i didn't know who agnostic front were until my mate mark bought uh cross Balam. okay and played to me one day and that was just it's like it's like one of those moments of awakening and you just it's incredible and i wasn't thinking too deeply about the lyrics at that point admittedly because some of the lyrics in that album were a little bit oh really mm. but um yes that then pushed you to think oh well, i've got to find out more about this band and more about this band then uh vitamin pain was in spillers i think and it was a horrendously expensive import it's like the same kind of price that i paid for um break down the walls the first youth day album yeah not long after oh that was because i got i'm wishing well and i'm trying to think okay so, so it took a few years to get uh uh, UK then it was because you said you bought it on import is that right yeah 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 but I mean yeah. I bought it but it was like 86 87 yeah. when I got Vitamin Pain so yeah, yeah it's a Rat Cage Records or mm. someone like that okay um, but it was around the same time I got the first Youth Today album which was on Wishing Well Records so I resigned myself to the fact that I was going to have to pay extra for these incredible New York hardcore records and then just cry myself to sleep thinking <laughs> about how much I'd spent on music I mean, they just don't stop to the, um, again, something else we touched on in the last mm. episode, um, you know, our, our love of Gnostic Front. And we'll touch on it in the next episode. Oh, we'll touch on every episode. Every because they damn episode, because they yeah. deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, they're relentless. And, I mean, like I said, they, they hit the UK in November. They're actually in Europe from now, from uh, this very evening, I was reading. So, um, yeah, they won't be here until then, because they do, like, two or three weeks. Yes, yeah, yeah it's back and forth. Yeah, 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 they're doing, like... In, in segments, but um, yeah, but it's just going to be a hell of a tour, man. I mean, those boys, I mean, well, there's a new album as well, isn't there? There's a yeah. new album due to hit, so that'll be good because the yeah. last album, the American Dream Died, was just phenomenal. They could, they've always put out quality product. The thing is, again, they're just one of those bands who, first time I saw them, they blew me away, second time I saw them, they blew me away, third time I saw them, they blew me away. I've never not been blown away by an agnostic performance. Yeah, I know some people say, oh. But they look tired and old. Well, I'm tired and old, and I'm kind of enjoying it. So you know, go screw. I don't care. I mean, this is what I'm here for. I don't care what you think. I, I've never seen them look tired and old. I've got to be honest. I mean, Roger commands the stage like yeah. a, like a like somebody half his age. Vinny, whether he's plugged in or not, it doesn't matter. He's always plugged. Because he's just stigma. He's always plugged in. It's just if, yeah. if, stigma, cho- if stigma chooses to play, stigma chooses Choose. to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean the stigma not. <laughs> And they got the take supporting them with Will Shepler uh, oh, from man. Agnostic Have you heard Front. that record? Uh, I have, yeah. I've heard a little bit of it. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. So it's I, it's sort of like the Bruisers doing hardcore. To me. I suppose it's an old school sort of oi. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's if the Bruisers were the hardest. If the Bruisers had been a New York hardcore band, they, that's what the take would be. Yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. And they lost the rock and roll legend. I mean, the Bruisers, the Bruisers are a whole other episode in themselves because it's one of those bands I absolutely adore. And they were they were before the time as well. I mean, they influenced so many bands. Yeah. Um, that came after them. I mean, I know Al joined the Dropkicks, but mm. they were heavily influenced. Even bands like Madball always name dropped. Um, the Bruisers. The Bruisers yeah, yeah. Well, the Bruisers took like rock and roll and added it to Toy and came up with this weird sort of hardcore hybrid, um, countryfied rock and roll meets. Oh, it's just phenomenal. And it took a voice like Al Bar to, to scream and shout over the top of that. Like, oh. I you I will never hear a bad word against the bruisers. And if you do say a bad word about against the bruisers, I'll find you and I'll run you down in my little car. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 
Tim's little car. In my little car. Okay, with that threat, I think we'll have some music. <laughs> Drop the uh, tunes, Christopher. Drop the tunes. This is Made of Teeth, band from Cardiff. If you like your a hardcore with a bit of sort of discordant noise behind it, then you should check out their new album, Wealth and Hellbeing. It's on Everybody Loses Records. This is Bombs. That was Bombs by Made of Teeth. Check them out. Mr. Bungle, reunion shows. Dreadful. Nonsense. No, oh, come on. Nonsense, man. Absolute nonsense. No. Absolute nonsense. Faith and War will ruin the day Mike Patton joined them. Right? End of. Wow, that's... I love Faith and War with Chuck Mosley. Okay. Those first two albums, superb. Mike Patton comes in and they became a metal band. And they were never supposed to be a metal band. I can't believe you're not a Patton fan. No. 
I didn't say I wasn't a Pattern fan. Right, go on then. But I don't like Mr. Bungle, and I don't like... Phantomers? I love Phantomers. Phantomers are so badass. Right? Yeah. But that's what he should be doing. Mr. Bungle, I, they were dying 20 years ago. Why does it... 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, nearly 30 years ago. Why anybody wants to... I love the fact... I had bloated old cock. This place is incredible fucking metal. That's really progressive, man. And just goes nowhere. I love the fact that they're playing... People have waited... I don't know, they haven't played in 20 years or something like that. And they're now going out with them four shows, I think it is. Three or four shows. Yeah. But they're only playing their first ever demo. I love that. Now, the Raging Wrath of Easter Bunny. Uh, what should we do to be even more contrary? <laughs> Try to appeal to hipsters more than we do. Let's only play our early demos, which nobody can get their hands on. Of. What about Scott Ian playing? I must uh, float your boat. Scott Ian playing with him? No. No? No. He's made for like some of those riffs. Um, no, he's not. And it could be anus. Is a, it could be an SOD uh, riff. I could <sighs> no. 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 It's just a Scott no. Scott Ian belongs in Anthrax. End off. Right? That's it. Okay. I don't think Scott Lee... Like, S.O.D., okay? Yeah. Was it a funny joke at the time? Maybe. It may... Because, you know, we were raised on carry-on films. Um, lyrically, it's inc- it's an incredibly offensive album, that first yeah. S.O.D. album, and, every, and everything that followed on afterwards is offensive. I, I don't think the second S.O.D. album is offensive lyrically, because it's just not... Uh, that is just about being old and thrashing. Seasoning the obese. Yeah, and yeah. Um, like the song Shenanigans. That's got one of the funniest sets of lyrics I've ever heard. That's just Billy ripping Scotty into pieces because of all this ridiculous things Scotty and did during actually downtime, you know? And like, you know, if you're a middle aged man, you shouldn't be doing any of this. You know? <laughs> I mean, fortunately, I've interviewed both Scotty and Billy Milano. So I kind of got the measure of both chaps. And Billy Milano's not like his rep. And he's, not, I, from what I can make out, he's not like his rep. He's not like, he's not that kind of bloke. Everything. The Billy Milano on stage and the Billy Milano you get on records is it's like, it's like a wrestling Billy Milano, right? He's taken that character and he's exaggerated it by a factor of ten. He's blown himself up to be something he's not. The Scott Ian you see on stage is the Scott Ian you get in real life. He's just that guy 24-7. He's just Scott Ian. Personally, I like them both. Nice enough chaps. But I'd rather have a beer with Billy Milano because I think he'd have a better laugh at the end of the night. Well, I've met I've met Billy very briefly, but he seemed to be uh, very personable yeah. um, and a nice chap, and not at all as the, the guy not, who comes out on the records. Or he's on. not a racist, sexist, no, no, I wouldn't at all. It. No, not not. He might have a terrible sense of humour, which yes doesn't fly these days or even them days. But I mean, yeah, I've heard nothing but bad about Scotian. He's not personable on a one-to-one basis. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. A lot of people I, I've. I've spoken to who interviewed him have said but that's not a bad thing it's just I don't think he's personable I, I think maybe he's tired of doing that kind of stuff because he's been doing it for so long that he doesn't seem deem it necessary anymore yeah that could you be know? a factor yeah but unfortunately as he's seen as being the focal point of a band like Anthrax that's put him where he is and he's put himself in that position same as Charlie Benante you know Frankie Bellows a lovely chap you spoke with him yeah oh Frankie yeah yeah he's, he's, he's lovely is this going to be one for the archives? Because we are, we are on about... No, I don't, I don't have that interview. No audio. I've no. got some perlers, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, though we're going to be able to... Well, that's going to be something for the future, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're going to get some archive uh, interviews. Uh, on Roger Murray, Paul Bearer. Nice. John Joseph, uh, Spike Bukowski from Terrapin Brewing, and a couple of other people as well. So, Beautiful. Some, you know, yeah, that'd be good. So, Scotty and Johnny and Mr. Bungle for these shows doesn't, doesn't uh, do anything for you at all. Doesn't, doesn't, no, no, I, 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 no. 
it's just no. It's just a big fat no. <laughs> it's like you know, with family fortunes when somebody asks the question, it's like completely not, uh, uh, not happening. I can't. No. Well, I'm all I, I'm all about Mr. Bungle, so uh, I'm well, happy you fly, there. you fly out and you have a jolly old time in one of the four exclusive shows where the tickets are doubtless going to be like $250, you know? <laughs> and when you go in, the only drinks you can buy are really obscure cocktails that are made in some hut. You were invented in some hut off the coast of Cuba by some expat American <laughs> looking to stick a little umbrella in something. So the last time they played London, they had a magician supporting team. See, that's, that's how quirky they are. That's not quirky, that's just being a knob. <laughs> <laughs> if I want to see a magician, I'm going to go to the Magic Castle in Hollywood Hills. I'm going to see real magicians do it in the magic circle. I don't want to see some guy come on stage for Mr. Bungle and go, Where's the rabbit children? and pull something out of his flies that you really don't want to see. <laughs> no, it's not for me. Okay, well, so, I mean, yeah. Scotty in. Probably somebody who's going to be in the, this new book that's uh, come out from... One of his bands is mentioned in anyway. Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. Crossover, The Edge, Where Hardcore, Punk and Metal Collide by Alexandros Anasiadis. Anasiadis. Anasiadis, Anasiadis. I've never asked Alex how to pronounce his surname. Apologies, I'm Alex. Assuming, I'm assuming it's something close <laughs> well, to that. Yeah. We've just butchered your surname, Alex. Massive so, apologies, Alex. Yeah, apologies for that. Forward by, Forward by Ian Glasper. Yes. That sells it for me already. I grew up during the crossover years in, in the scene. And it is to me, it's a definitive work on crossover. It really is in depth. I mean, this it's, is there's so much work, so much energy, and so much passion gone into this book. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, I mean yeah. there's stuff there's stuff about the bands I thought I knew intimately that I didn't know. This Alex has found out. And he and he goes country by country, and you yeah. know he looks at other more scene obscure scene. bands, scene by scene. Yeah, it is just remarkable. I mean, just picking up, it's a doorstep of a book. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's. it's, uh, it's it's a beauty. There's a lot of work on it, and he's he's done a phenomenal job. He really right. has, yeah. I've now on cherry red books. The horrible thing about it is the hor- the most horrible thing about it is he's one of the loveliest guys you'll ever meet, Alex. Yeah. He is a, he's just amazing. He's, he's he's one of those blokes that when you meet him, you become his friend, and when you're his friend, you're his friend for life. He is just an absolutely lovely guy, and I'm just over the moon to see his book out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm, I'm flicking I'm through it. There you go. Look. Oh, I've got a little personal little message for you. A little dedication and then mention on the facts list. It's all warms and old thrashes hard to see this yeah. happen. Yeah. Oh, I'm an ancient hardcore kid, but I grew up doing the crossover years, so I get to, yeah. I love yeah how he does go. Just as you say, he goes through each scene. Yeah. It's like East Coast, Middle America, the Mid- Midwest, South. Oh, it's awesome. UK. It is the most. Com- it's slightly daunting. As well. I mean, what who the say? hell a metal duck? You. They're Swansea. They're not seriously. I'm sure metal duck are from down this way. Wow. Is it metal duck from down this way? I'm sure they're they're, they're the, like the the premier Welsh crossover crew. I mean, Sacrimony, who you know they were just much better. I'd say about eighty percent of this band, uh, the the bands mentioned here, I've heard of or know of or listened to. Yeah. But that extra sort of twenty percent, he's really put the work in. Oh, he's he's pushed pushed it beyond, absolutely beyond. It's I just can't say enough good things about this book, so I think we have to stop, you know, <laughs> licking Alex's backside and just say just buy the book. It's on Cherry Red Books. Yeah. You find it on Amazon, uh, any good bookstore. Say any bookstore you go into, just. Go and ask, demand a or do you cross over the edge by uh, Alexander Sana and Siades. It's just incredible. And once again, sorry for butchering your uh, surname, Alex. <laughs> but that's what we do. Yeah. Big finish. 
They're bringing out. Oh, made, 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 made. I know made. you're very excited about this. Oh. Space 1999. It's been 42 years, right? <laughs> since I was on TV. So, 42 years since I since there was a new story involving Moonbase Alpha, John Koenig, eagles, and massive space flares. It's just you you couldn't ask for more. The effects with effects. <laughs> yeah. You know, it cost more than any other series to make at the time. But it only lasted two seasons. I mean, oh, well, something yeah. that's got such a cult following, even now, right? there was only two seasons. It's quite it was, uh, staggering. It's really. so expensive to make at the time, probably. TV series that, that come out now, the last two seasons, I've forgotten about in an instant. Yeah. But that, that just comes to show, like, you know, they, I mean, they, they put a lot of money in for the time. Right. But again, it's, it's an, the other thing is, if you say Space 1999 to someone, it, automatically they start thinking about wah-wah guitars. It's the only thing, apart yeah. from pornography, that makes you think about wah-wah guitars. Right? Yeah. That wah-wah pedal, wah, 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 as it's going in. That incredible music with, with an eagle spinning, you know, it kicks in, and an eagle spins out the sky and crashes on the, the lunar surface. And it goes in 1999, the moon is blown out of orbit. I'll tell you what, let's have a listen to that, shall we? Yeah. That eagle plunge on the sky. It just is and the stories were pretty good. They weren't, you know, throw away oh good grief, let's think of some terrible trite idea to throw at the screen this week. They were actually stories you could get behind and get into. And the fact they had um, Martin Landau as the lead actor, who worked later while they on to did win an Oscar later. This yeah, it's he had a really mixed career. The eighties were a bit of a write off for him. He, he did some B movie stinkers. He was a he was a B movie actor for most of his life. Yeah, he was like a Roger Corman kind of staple. But, but then he he popped up in sort of Ed Wood, wasn't he? Um, he played yeah. uh, Bela Lugosi yeah. in Ed Wood, and which is won a stunning film. Yeah. Won an Oscar for it. Yeah, but. And he popped I, up in the X-Files. I remember seeing then... he was in a uh, film called The Hallelujah Trail. Right, okay. Which is basically about whiskey being taken from one place to another in the old in the days of the old west. And Martin Landau played a Native American. One of the one of, one of the Native Americans hell-bent on stealing the whiskey and consuming it for themselves because it, it placed every single racial stereotype and every single sort of myth, myth about the old west. It's all that you've got the cavalry, you've got the... The, the, the drunks from the town who are desperate for their whiskey you've got the Native Americans you've got the Temperance Society it's just it's a ridiculous mishmash 60s comedy I mean Burt Lancaster and it flashing his teeth everywhere and everybody oh, oh, oh Burt Lancaster as Burt Lancaster does and there's Martin Landau riding on a horse and stealing whiskey and pretending to be a Native American when you know he's Martin Landau and he's far better in space 1999 so what's the plan here? I'm big finish. Well, they're bringing out the audio. Yeah, it's just being yeah. brought back on audio. It's not a televised series, but the 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 lead actor who's bringing it back was is the uh, Mark Bonner, is the guy who's been playing oh, one of the back, one of the Doctor's arch rivals in another big finish series. And he's okay. absolutely incredible. So if he's taking on the role of John Koenig, or it's just gonna be mind blowing. And that's out next month. So I'm just I'm literally counting down the days to hear. Space 1999. Yeah. It's, it's one of those series that has a massive impact on you when you're a kid. Oh, so totally. You, you sit there, and you, what do you remember from the 70s when you're watching TV? 
Space 1999, Doctor Who, Star Trek, and Monkey. Yes, oh, Monkey. That's what you remember. Oh, that's what I remember. Space 1999. Every actor in that was incredible. So, you know, I mentioned the flares. You try running around on a moon base trying to tackle aliens when. 20 inch bell bottoms they're trying to <laughs> trip you up every step of the way it's just not going to happen I mean I, I caught on rerun because you're older than me <laughs> <laughs> that's right but um, so for me it was very it was uh, loud it was sort of very bright and mm. and I was uh, sort of into, into Star Wars then which yeah. was really the opposite sort of thing but good story is a good story yeah. and that's why I crossed over the thing is this is, this is what in the 70s people obviously thought the future was going to be like yeah now, now we're looking back on it and it's still that's space 1999 is still 100 years away from where we are in 2019 at least but I think the difference between like, space 1999 is like you said everything was shiny and bright and looked brand new all the time and when Star Wars came along you were looking at a lived in universe where everything had a practical application everything was used of course yeah, is, yeah. You know, it's like the normal average everyday world hmm. So, but you can't imagine you can imagine living in the Star Wars universe you can't imagine living in the same world as Space 1999 which is what makes it such a separate thing and makes it almost untouchable and reminds you about everything because it, it's, it's, it's a story that's all it is but it's a bloody good story <laughs> absolutely bloody good so there we are that's out uh, September. September. So Space 1999 fans, get on to uh, com and check that out in September. Hit them up about it, remind them, bully them, get it off them, do what you got to do, but you've got to hear it because it's going to be fantastic. I mentioned uh, Martin Landau being in the X-Files. I know you're not an X, much more oh, satisfying. Tedium. <laughs> Absolute tedium. No, I'm not even there, I'm sorry. No, it's true though. No. It's true. How about, like, we run through God knows how many series, chasing the same MacGuffin over and over again <laughs> and getting absolutely nowhere, not finding out any more about it, and being led astray by lots of government people who secretly smoke cigarettes and tell lies down the telephone. It just, it's, oh. Right, I'm getting Dave's decision onto you. He's going to beat me up, is he? He is. He's a big chap. <laughs> <laughs> if he yeah. puts a wrestling mask on, he can beat me up any day he likes. <laughs> Yeah, so some more music then. Uh, this is uh, for Mascalata. Band members, Skinner on drums, Samantha on vocals, The Smoking Man on bass, and Crycheck on guitar. Bloody X-Files. I don't believe that's their real names for a second. No. No, seriously. No, are you, are you no. telling me they're using pseudonyms? And There's definitely a Rastasusian member in they're there. They're pretending to be people that what they are not? <laughs> Shocking. 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 This is nobody for Mascalata. <laughs>
that was nobody by Fimasculata. Staying on the uh, science fiction theme. science fiction tip, touched on Star Wars. Yeah, Outer Rim, uh, new board game. Wow, fantasy fight. Okay, so I've been kind of losing myself playing out your smuggler fantasies. Oh, mate, it, it's it's a, it's the closest I'm ever going to get to being Han Solo, apart from <laughs> sitting in the cockpit and running fucking at Galaxy's Edge. And I ain't been to Galaxy's Edge. Right? <laughs> okay, I just haven't been there. It's literally the most inclusive Star Wars thing you're going to play, or most immersive Star Wars thing you'll ever do. Since you bought your first Star Wars figures. Really? Yeah, it's that good. Okay. It really is that good. It's just, I mean, like any fantasy fight game, it takes a while to learn the rules because there are rules. And, and everything is governed by a strict sequence of events and turns and what you can and can't do. So it takes you a sort of couple of sessions to get used to the way everything works. So when you get used to the way everything works, the structure of the game actually aids gameplay rather than restrict it restricts it so it's it's it makes it a really really cool experience does it focus on one particular sort of element of star wars or is it it looks like no because basically it, it, it's it doesn't focus on any one element the idea is your character becomes like a living legend within the star wars universe and you get aided by um within star wars mythology and you get aided along the way by all sorts of established star wars figures and parts of the canon and it's it's basically so it's not in one particular time frame it's sort of it's it's set in i mean it's got Jin urso in it it's got han solo in it so it's sort of set uh it's around the original trilogy so um but it's so much fun just it looks outstanding it really looks so immersive yeah you'll just you will lose yourself completely and you will fight and the the terrible thing is you finish one game right and you look at the time and you go it's half past eight. It's Tuesday. I've got, <laughs> I've got time for another game. And then the, half, then the next game, you go, ah, it's half past one. I've got time for another game. And goes, but you've got to get up in the morning. What day is it tomorrow? It's Friday. But we started playing on Monday evening. Where's the last week gone? We've been immersed in Star Wars. Why have I got a beard? We've, uh, <laughs> who are you? What happened? <laughs> have I been frozen in carbonite? It's, yeah, it's, it's a really good game. And like I said, I think... The only thing that's going to top this at the moment for me, right, Star Wars wise, yeah, is going to be Galaxy. You know, as, a, as an experience, as, as well. and I will get there. Yeah, we're going to have a mass movement uh, out in school trip. Yeah, but the thing is, you on your dollar, on my dollar. <laughs> it's always on my dollar. It's always on. It's always on. on no, no, mate. Pay your own way to Galaxy's Edge. Hi, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast. Good idea, that. I heartily endorse this podcast. So I watched Congo Man again the other day, right? And, oh, that is a classic. Absolute classic. You can't beat Congo Man. There's not many people who mention Disney and then think go straight to Condor Man. Well, yeah, but it's, it's one of those sort of like, films from the last period, isn't it? So like, the, the 70s through to about 87, 88, when they started making good animated films again. So you had all those live-action films that came up at the time. And it was Condor Man, I think, was, was the epitome then. Because, you know, you had, like, escape... It was preceded by the Cat from Outer Space, Escape from Witch Mountain, and 
Candle Show. They were great. Aren't they? They're all great. To me, they're, they're, those movies, I mean, they're not seen as uh, up there, but they're up there with anything Disney produced. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson is always one of my go-to. I, oh, I, that's, that's a really early one. It's, it's, that's it's, one of the early live action, yeah. And, uh, early go-to Disney film for yeah. me. It's going to be 20,000 Leagues yeah. every single time. Because yeah. Kirk, Kirk Douglas singing is just... Okay, I'll take Kirk Douglas singing. I don't care what else happens. James Mason's Captain Nemo. You know, he's just like a moustache twirling. Bad guy. Well, you know Nemo's not really a bad guy. They've just sort of exaggerated the characteristics that Vern put in the book. Because Nemo's yeah. more of a crusader. But yeah, again, 20,000 Leagues, Kirk Douglas playing a little banjo made out of a turtle shell. Singing but... a tale or two. And he's just, <laughs> I can have this all done. The Condor Man, I mean, to us... Michael Crawford was yeah. So you Frank Spencer. Frank Spencer. <laughs> Frank Spencer to. to oh, you can do the impression. I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not Michael Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> but and that's the thing. We t- I, see. I didn't know till later on that he was a movie star in the, in this because he made films with people like Barbara Streisand. He was yeah. in Hello Dolly, right? So he's a proper musical. But our exposure to him was uh, Frank Spencer. Some mother to our yeah. Some other stuff. She's got this bumbling. And then comes up, goes up. Well, Disney saying, Oh, well, he can, he's got some we can use it. We can, and you've got this bumbling idiot. Let's make him a bumbling idiot in this film. So, uh, give a bit of background on Condor Man. What for the, so, I can't imagine okay. there's many people. So, it's uh, the CIA and the KGB are looking to exchange some toxic papers, but they're both insisting on civilians doing it. And one of the a, a CIA agents got a mate called Woody Wilkins who draws comic books for a living. Specifically, he's about to debut a book about a hero called Condor Man. So he asks his mate to go along, but Woody gets sort of swept away by the fact that he's exchanged papers and pretends to be a super international super spy. Meets the Russian agent, who's a who's actually an agent and not a civilian. Shows off in front of her, and through a series of misfortunes, Frank Spencer-style mishaps, she thinks he's some incredible super spy. So she then pretends she wants to defect, and she asks for Condor Man, then the alias he's used to come and rescue her, which. He doesn't want to do, but the CIA say, "Well, we give you all this money. Oh, I can make all these wonderful toys that I've imagined. The comics come to life." And he brings his comics to life in a bid to rescue this defecting Russian agent. And of course, the KGB come after him, and chaos ensues, Disney style. And Oliver Reed, and Oliver pops Reed. up. Oliver not drunk as well. Yeah, as Krokoff. 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 That's it. Yeah. Um, Krokoff. And the, but Condorman's got this wonderful charm. You know, it's got effect. The only, the only special thing about them is you could tell how dire they are. I mean, when you see him coming into land in Monte Carlo in the, in the flying scene, in his suit, you can see the wire still attached to him. <laughs> wow. the rig. And when you see him and Natalia, the, 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 the Russian agent who's defecting with him, sitting in the, the Condor car, the Condor mobile, you can literally see how bad the effects are when they're projecting onto the beautiful green screen but again we we, we again we say I a good story is a good story yeah but i didn't care about this in 1991 yeah. i saw this film you know in a flea pit cinema in, in Traco bay wow okay there used to be because because you know i was living in port call Traco bay used to have a couple of cinemas and used to have a big one where i saw the empire strikes back and they used to have this little tiny weeny flea pit was owned by stan stennett who was in one of those crossroads or something yes okay right? yeah yeah so this fleet it was owned by him and it was just this dial thing but it was cheap and they showed everything i think i saw condom on a double bill with something like hawk the slayer well wow. that's where they pumped this film out so they yeah. designed themselves the fact that it flopped in america so they were just going to pump it out but it was that's like the greatest double bill i've ever seen in my life yeah condom man and hawk the slayer together you can't 
It was just incredible. I didn't probably imagine a, like a quid or something at the time. <laughs> probably a quid, a pound fifty, something yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> and a, a pound for sweets or, or, yeah. or whatever. But it was just. I still have money for fish and chips on the way home. Oh, I'm your shit, I'm I spent like five pounds and have an evening out. Nothing, yeah, five pounds wouldn't get you to the end of the street these days. But it was, yeah. it was one of those films that just. You look back on it now, right? And I'm looking at the car chase, obviously. I'm thinking that would make an incredible Disney attraction. If they if they were going to do something, some out, out left field attraction, make a ride based on the con, based on the car chase in Condamine when you've got the Brognoviach and these black Porsches chasing after you through the mountains of what would be Croatia now, but what was Yugoslavia then? You know, all yeah. kinds of chaos ensues in this. You the car then becomes a boat and they they chase you in boats and there's lots of laser guns and, psh, 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 and all kinds of jolly excitement. Because the Russians are the bad guys again. Yeah. You know, everything comes full circle. Relevant, yeah. yeah. So the Russians are the bad guys yeah. again. So somebody should make that right. And, you know, copyright, imagineering, you know, give me a job and I'll chuck Chris a couple of quid too, obviously, or something like that. Because that, that would just be fantastic. Huh? Well, I mean, but, Ivan Drago came back last year. He did. You know, so all he these did. Russian uh, bad guys are coming back. Again, I read that novelisation that by, by, you know, by Joe Clare. I can't. God knows how many times, literally just disappeared in this book, and I've still got the original novelization. I think you you look at the back price; it's like seventy five. So was this prior to seeing the movie? I so it was bought the book before I saw the film. Okay. Right, and then so I'd read it a couple of times, and the the way the story played out in my head was how exactly how it played out on the big screen. So it's in my head, it's Frank Spencer bumbling his way through hmm. on, on the big screen. What you work is it's Frank Spencer bumbling his way through because Michael Crawford was just playing an exaggerated version of, of Frank Spencer. Yeah. And it worked. I mean, Disney never put him in another film again because it was a massive flop. Huge. Well, I was going to say, they kind of tease a sequel at the end, didn't they? Yeah. It, it kind of gets uh, like a new mission. Oh, do yeah, you want to take if a... any film is begging for a reimagining now, right? Now that it's this, because it's, it's the only comic book film from the early 80s, because Condor Man's a comic book character brought to life on the big screen. Admittedly, the comic book is contained within the film, so it's Sort of self self referential, mm. referential. Sorry, yeah. So it's the first comic book film of the nineteen eighties, and Disney made that. Yeah. So now they own Marvel, and they're making comic book films, and they're making a fortune with it. It's the sort of film they should sort of slip in under the radar, maybe making for the stream platform, reimagine it, bring Condor Man back. Please bring Condor Man back, because Condor Man rules. You heard it here first. Yes. Hashtag bring back Condor Man right now. Right now. Hashtag I'll bring the dip. Let's get Condor Man back, right? A Condor Man. You're a Moana fan. You're a, you're a oh, wrestling oh, fan. Oh, mate. Moana, just fantastic. Whoever thought The Rock could sing or sort of bumble his way through <laughs> like Lee Marvin style with a song that's written specifically for him. Moana, he's, he's incredible, Moana. Now, I'm going to have to say, at this point, I've never seen Moana simply because... I'd like to keep up my uh, my record of never seeing a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Why? I, I'm a why? massive... I, I loved him in wrestling. Right. I saw a, a clip of the Scorpion King. Now, I know that's not rep- a good representation. Oh, dude. But after that, I thought, no, no, no. And wrestlers in movies never really worked. Uh, I still got nightmares from Suburban Commando. And you think about this entirely the wrong way, right? Okay. Because... Dwayne Johnson is now an actor who used to wrestle. He's not a wrestler who's acting, right? 
that's how you've got to think about it because The Rock is great in everything. He brings that sort of weird personal charm to everything he does. I imagine he does. I mean, he, he, he did to rest. He, he lit up whenever he uh, whenever he's in the ring, whenever he's backstage. He, he just lit up. The There's place. a reason he's the highest paid actor in the world. Yeah. Okay? And the, the reason is he's great on screen. And he's... He, I mean, even the remake of Jumanji. I, I love the original Jumanji. But the remake of Jumanji is fantastic, mainly because you've got The Rock and Jack Black working off each other. And it's, it's it just works. Everything The Rock is in works. And Mo- Moana especially. I've been playing Maui. Ma- oh. He's just so funny. <laughs> like I say, it's worth seeing just to hear the rock saying, You're welcome. <laughs> is there anything in the parks to do with Moana? Isn't there? Is there? I, I mean, I've only been there briefly. I mean, they can't cover since, every movie, obviously, but I mean. No, I've been there briefly since Moana came out. And there's sort of Moana stuff mixing with like Lilo and Stitch stuff. Uh, oh, right. Um, okay. Oh, is it Polynesian? Polynesian Village. Yeah. So, yeah, that, but that, that works, yeah. college village we went there this time was mainly about let's go to Trader Sam's and have some cocktails and some beer there and you know do the Hawaii thing and <laughs> which was just fantastic but yeah I mean The Rock when he was wrestling he was all charisma and not much in ring ability in my opinion I mean I love The Rock I love watching yeah. The Rock in work but The Rock had I don't know whether because in his early matches he was doing some great off the top rope rope boost and then somebody suddenly said no let's cut it back a bit cut yeah. it back and bring it into the ring he had a certain set of moves he, he really went away from so the you ring. know the rock's going to clothesline someone going to hit them with a couple of really hard clotheslines right you know the rock's going to drop the people's elbow on somebody and the people's elbow <laughs> wow and it's been adapted it's over the years it's, 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 it's basically a running bionic album yeah like John Cena does the five knuckle the knee and yeah, yeah. it's just all versions of yeah it's just a running bionic album yeah. that's all it is yeah. an elbow drop boom have that right and then he does the rock bottom which is just a sidewalk slam yeah given another name and boss people, man did a wave before him and people can't kick out of this because it's done by the rock but I'd like to know how you can't kick out from a, from the people's elbow because I can't understand how you can be hit over the head of the chair and then somebody drops a single elbow on you and you're done. You know, you know wrestling's worked, yeah? Shut up. Oh, God, Tim, I'm sorry. You, you should be yeah. I may as well just go... You've been hang, lied to. I may as well just go and hang myself right now because it's, it's, well, it's pointless. You're telling me wrestling's fake. It's, you've been lied to all your life, I'm sorry. Oh, shocking, <laughs> shocking and shameful. The Rock brought that charisma and made wrestling stand out because he yeah. allowed his character to shine and all he does is he takes that character and then he moves that over to whatever he's doing in, in a film you know like all good wrestlers he was um an exaggerated version of himself right yeah like his like stone cold was and yeah all, everybody, all the best ones are. well that, that advice was you know if you're going to be the only way you're going to blow up is to blow yourself up and you you, you magnify your personality by a factor of 10 and just play an exaggerated version yeah. of yourself and that's what works because you're just being yourself. If you try to be something you're not, it's never going to work in the ring. And he made use of every single minute of TV time he was given. Oh, but he's so funny. He stole the show. Yeah, the time. absolutely. You did, you see the rock come on. That's absolutely. I remember there was one match. It's him and Triple H. Um, I think it was a cage match, and he was he was doing that. Oh, shine it up real nice. Yeah. And he's talking about sticking up a lump as a Triple H's cat, yes. And I just think, <laughs> yeah. you know, nobody else can get away with talking about shining up the little people. Yeah. <laughs> Turning them sideways. I mean, how you turn an up sideways is just, is it vertically, horizontally? Which which axis are you powering, powering up your little person? And then sticking up Triple H's ass. And you can see, like, Paul Levesque, Triple H, is yeah. standing on one corner, and he's 
he's trying not to break yeah. that. He's trying not to break the but He's trying not to laugh. You've got a certain can... charm to, get, to be able to say that and, you know, and get yeah. away with that. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, to rely on the people's eyebrow. So you see Roger Moore and you go, huh, and you just go, huh, and raise the eyebrow, huh. And you turn that into and, a gimmick. And it, that becomes an entire thing. Yeah. Like raising one eyebrow, you get yourself over. That, I, that is just, that takes a special kind of magic. Some of the stuff he did with uh, McFoley, the Rock and Sock connection as well, was just gold. Well, that's funny because they fed into each other because the Rock was doing like a slightly serious thing and McFoley's just a big old They were goof- polar opposites, weren't they? Yeah, but McFoley's a big old goofball anyway. And they Lovely were- guy. You met him? I've met Mick, yeah. Yeah, lovely guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. funny and personable and just... And just as warm as you think he would be. He's, yeah, he's, he's, there's no difference between... He's, he's slightly more reserved, I guess, yeah. in person than he is when he's bouncing about in the ring wearing a leather mask or being thrown off. An 30-foot 30 30 30 30 30 30 30 40-foot, 40-foot, 50-foot case, depending whether you speak to Jerry the King Law or, or, or Jim Ross. Because yeah. <laughs> it goes according to Jim Ross, as God was his witness, he's broken in half. He's broken in half. Broken in half. Bust you wide open. Such a fire. That's 60 feet up in the air. Yeah, oh, Jim, Jim, Jim we, can, we can see how far it is, mate, you know. And it, but it's a fair old way. It's got to be like 20, including the ring. It's got to be between 18 and 25. I, I would have thought so, yeah. And that's out of a four-league It know? It was. I mean, it was planned that, between the, the pair of them, I believe. Um, well, no, it wasn't. Sort of, that's, the, that's the beauty of it. Cause he, cause, wasn't it sort of like they were going to take a bump, a big bump, but, yeah, but not just, quite how just, it planned. He, they were on top, and Mick, apparently Mick says, throw me off, and then he's like, I'm not doing it. He says, throw me off. It's going to be like, yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Mark Calories, I'm not doing it. Throw me off our health with it, and he just throws off. You off. Go. Off you go, <laughs> and bang crash, and that you know you that moment changes everything right there for WWE. Yeah. Like, that's what they refer to as one of their quote holy shit unquote because that's the moment everybody switches over from WCW to watch WWE. Yeah, sure. And right yeah. there, and yeah. everyone says, "Oh, well, it's a combination of Stone Cold and Triple H and The Rock." And yes, it was down to those guys. But the moment that changed everything was Mick Foley being thrown off the top of the cage in the Hell in Cell match. But sure. That's the exact moment when everything just goes, okay, bang. We love the WWE. Attitude here to stay. Let's run with it. Unfortunately, Attitude isn't here to stay. No. Because now it's become a pissy, watered-down, weak version of itself. But well, they made SummerSlam yeah, I didn't wa- in I the didn't last couple of weeks, no? I didn't watch it. Because I, like I, I refused to watch anything since Vince McMahon washed his hands. Of the whole Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, still left a bad taste. I like I like Vince, I really do, but some things you yeah. can't move on from. I mean, it was a it was a good uh, it was a good card. They made a TV fourteen purely so they could show Bray Wyatt's entrance as the Fiend, right? Which felt like a special moment. And if they do it right with him, he could be like the next Undertaker. Fiend was quite special. Sort of a horror was character. Was there blood? Was there people bleeding? Were people busted wide open? No. See. I don't no. Know, was it? no, no, there wasn't. No, there was the way they booked. I mean, everybody thought Brock and Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins was going to be another match like they've already had at the WrestleMania match. But they left Seth having moments where he absolutely kicked the living crap out of Brock. But here's the thing: Seth Rollins is such a good wrestler that he, if he can make Brock Lesnar look great in the ring, because Brock Lesnar is a fantastic wrestler, but he's a very he's got a very limited skill set. He's brought in as a beast to just yes, demolish people. To smash people to bits, yeah. Him. But if you can get a longer match out of Brock Lesnar, yeah. and then blow it up, or getting blown out, and he's like, <laughs> with someone like Seth Rollins, then that, that should be money. Unfortunately, you need to bleed in a match like that. You need to... In the, if you want to take on a match like that, it's got to be like a King of the Ring, like King of the Ring between Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle. One of the most brutal matches I've ever seen. 
make make it brutal make it believable give us something to root for don't water it down so it's basically pantomime he's behind you he's coming to kick you <laughs> he's gonna slap you i, I think in recent years I mean, a few years ago, they were going through that stage where if blood was spilled, yeah. they were sending a doctor, sending um, somebody down to wipe the blood. And that, was, to me, was ridiculous. This was going back over two years ago. And there's been a sort of an attitude to blood now that you know that I don't think Vince really wants it seen anymore. You unless it's absolutely necessary. You, but You've got to believe. For a big marquee match like Brock versus Seth, yeah, you, you've got to, yeah. You've got to have blood. You've got to. And it's, it's dreadful. Right, to say that, but you've got to have some sort of reality. If because we know wrestling's fake, we know it's being sold to us. Right? Yeah. Give it a sense of realism, give it a sense of dynamism, and it becomes more effective. As as for us as an audience, if we're watching it, if you want me to believe this story, I know that when somebody's out there in the street brawling, they're going to bleed if they get punched. If you're expecting people to sell that kind of punch or sell a hit or sell something big, they're going to bleed. I agree with Unfortunately, that, yeah. it's a byproduct of the industry, and they've got to work that back in there. Make it look as brutal as it actually is. Make people believe that these guys are putting their bodies on them. I guess they are. Yeah. Well, everyone say it's fake, but that stuff takes a toll on you. Oh, it really you, know, does. you can't do like moon salts and suntans and and not. How do you learn to fall off a twenty foot ladder? Yeah. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> but you but you get up. You know, I damn near broke my neck, but I still got up. Yes, you did. <laughs> And that's the beauty of it. That's the, that's the charm. Right? I enjoyed uh, Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair more than I thought it would. But that's Charlotte Flair... That's dirty old man. No! Maybe. Yes. Oh, come on. Charlotte Flair is... She's money like a dad. She yeah. is so good. She's such a good... She's working at the heel thing at the moment. She was in Toronto and, you know, Trish Stratus was the local favourite. Yeah. And she played that so well. She was sort of kicking Trish while she was down saying, come on, Canadian hero sort of thing. <laughs> and it, it was beautiful to watch, and she's just so talented, like a dad, who was also there, embarrassing himself backstage. Na- Do I want to know? Oh, no, he's just sort of... They wheel him in to do a woo now and again, don't they? And, you know, to jangle his uh, jewellery, like a Jimmy Savile. Oh, that's dreadful. <laughs> don't, 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 don't even go there and make that comparison. In my head, right, they are... They, they, no, I, I can't, I can't... Woo, woo, woo! Now, 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 now! Jewellery, jewellery! No. <laughs> The minute you see Ric Flair come into like a, a wrestling ring wearing a Jim will fix it badge, it's all over. It's just <laughs> that's the time you just switch everything off and just go rain down bombs because he starts giving super rope results. Do a favor for Rick. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte Flair though, she's a chip off the old block, such a good talent, and she's been leading the uh, the women's division for a while now. She's so good. Um, it was nice to see Trish back, and obviously she retired. That was her last match. Nice for her to finish off in her in her home country. There I thought was... she'd retired though. She was coming out of retirement, or was she semi-retired? Yeah, just... it's kind of semi-retired. Okay. I mean, Edge came back as well. He he's, he came out and he, he's not been cleared. Or he, before this, he hadn't been cleared to do any work because of his injured, injured neck. Yeah. But he actually speared somebody. So there's been now rumblings of it. Will Edge come back? No. I mean. Not with Please, Edge, don't. Not, yeah, just. Uh, you know, yeah, it's just not really our worth just, it, is yeah, it? It just, just let it go. It's, yeah. It's, it, you can't, if you can't work at your your prime, you just gonna end up being like Hulk Hogan because you because nobody believes that Hogan comes down to the ring and talk about the worst wrestler of all time. Hulk Hogan, absolutely dreadful. I know people love him. I don't understand why people love him. Oh, I'm gonna Hulk up because nobody believes right. 
that a 60 year old man with two <laughs> swapped out knees who was in a terrible sex tape right <laughs> Is ever going to be able Partial to hold up to the point? <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> hold up to the point where he can take out and beat out beat the Rock. That's just not going to happen. I mean, I know the Rock's not great, but Hulk Hogan, eh, he's, 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 you know, no, he's even worse. Yeah. He's just terrible, and he's so terrible that when we went to Florida earlier this year, I went past his shop. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, his beach n- shop. There was nobody in there. Was no, he behind the counter? No, it's it's. It was outside sweeping. It's at the top of International Drive. Right? Oh, really? Okay. So, all the fun stuff leads up to here, and then you go up to a bit further International Drive, and there's like a, the biggest McDonald's in the world. There's a Burger King, and there's Hulk Hogan's shop, right? Right. Burger King was busier at half eleven than Hulk Hogan's shop was. Oh, poor Hulk. Oh, poor Hulk at all. It's bloody deserved. I don't want to buy his cheap crap. I can imagine the Hulk behind the counter with Brutus Brown beefcake stuck in the shelves. <laughs> oh, and, then, <laughs> and then they have a brawl. Brutus, Brutus, brother, 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 oh, slap back. They, you know, they get some hilarious altercation and they both end up smashing the shop up. Yeah? <laughs> I'll ask Stone Cold, Booker T, Price Check, that was Jackass. Hilarious. That they was hilarious. beaten to death with a, with a 12 inch pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful. That was, that. Uh, uh, Booker TV left and got a, uh, 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 and Stone Cold just walking off. That was that's perfection. Right? You, Hulk Hogan's never gonna be able to make it. I mean, he was, was a face, wasn't he? He was a face and a body at the time. Um, he looked like you know he looked a million dollars in he at the yeah. time, and he lived off that reputation for a long time. And he was only as good as the people he worked with. Yeah. Um, Everybody else put him over and made him look good. I mean, you watch, you watch. Hulk and Andre uh, in WrestleMania 3. It's actually a stinking match. It's absolutely dreadful. Andre it's just can, a spectacle. Andre can barely work, so he just says, slam me, and that's it. It's and just a spectacle of you know yeah. the hero, Hulk Hogan, and like the big villain giant. It's built up for so long that people had this expectation of what to see. And yeah. then, you know, it's not delivered because it's a dreadful match. And, you know, it's mainly a dreadful match, not because of Andre, but because of bloody Terry Malia. Yeah. No one will ever convince me that Terry's a great wrestler. And Terry can chase after me. I really don't care. He couldn't chase after you. Well, he, well my, with my dicky hip, he could probably catch me halfway down the road. <laughs> dicky hip and bad knees. Bat on the bad knees. Yeah, yeah it's like running. Oh, <laughs> the old man's catching you. The old man's catching you. Which one? Which one? <laughs> okay, on that note, I think we'll have some uh, Chuck Norris experiment, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this song's called All Your Bridges Are Burning from their new album, Shortcuts, which is on No Balls Records. I've been picking up the pieces Pick it up, pick it up, yeah, yeah I'll never rest when you to please us Pick it up, pick it up, yeah, yeah All your bridges are burning Burning down It's a shame I won't be around To see the fuckers burn down to the ground Chuck Norris experiment with all your bridges are burning. 
Archie Comics. Archie, Archie 1941. Comics. It's a real world event. It's sort of Archie. Well, it's going yeah, back it's, through the. It's Riverdale and Archie Andrews's life and reimagined in the run up to the American involvement in the Second World War. So awesome. America actually joined the Second World War, and it's weird because it's like, it's like this week I've been immersed in that period of history. Because as well as Archie 1941, I've uh, been reading They Call His Enemy by George Takei. Okay, yeah, which yeah. Which sort of sees that involvement through in, in a completely different perspective. Because, you know, as you know, in 1941, Archie and his pals are all living in Riverdale, and the world, the world, the rest of the world's already at war. So America's brought into the war by Japan on December 7th for the attack on Pearl Harbor. And it's the events leading up to Pearl Harbor and the immediate aftermath and how the Second World War affects Archie and his friends. And America's involvement that gets hammered home in 1941 and it's it's not an easy book to read it's not the easiest of Archie books to read but Imagine, it's one yeah. of the most rewarding um is it part of a series is it this well no they're, they're sort of doing like Archie at the moment has been reimagined by Mark Wade so Archie's sort of running parallel to Riverdale and there's right. lots of like different offshoot Archie books like Afterlife with Archie, Archie 1941 and 1941 is the latest one in that series I mean they can do one in 1955 and there's all sorts of different things planned for Archie, but you've read Archie versus Predator, so you know how <laughs> yeah. the Archie universe is working, how it's really yeah. and stuff, and how it's really they're taking on new new angles. Everywhere right, everywhere, it's, it's, yeah. but nineteen forty one is yeah, it's a difficult time. At times, it's a really difficult book to read because it it just shows how characters who are so beloved are affected by this, and it means it's got a double meaning because nineteen forty one was the year in which Archie Andrews debuted. Of course, yeah. So Archie Comics released Archie Andrews into the world in 1941 and in just before America entered the uh, Second World War. So you imagine this character as he was then. And how he's feeling and how he and reacts how, to how, it. How, how he actually becomes, how he's affected by a real world event well, of that kind of magnitude. All I want to say is not everybody makes it back. Oh, not wow. everybody makes it through alive. Wow, okay. Uh, to the end. And that's what makes it tough. It doesn't shirk away from the fact that you know, soldiers go to war, soldiers fight, soldiers die, and their loved ones are left to grieve. Yeah, because you're dealing with real-world issues. It's a very real-world thing. Yeah. Same as They Called His Enemy by George Takei, which remembers a really sort of forgotten period of American history, I guess, with Japanese internment following the attack on Pearl Harbor. Right. All Japanese-American citizens were interned in camps, which, is, which were essentially prison camps. And George Takei was one of those citizens who was interned. So it's it's interned. So yes, so it's like he's remembering this period of history from personal experience and telling his story. And again, it is absolutely bloody heartbreaking. It is just, but it's a story everybody should read because you know he's taken this period, he's taken everything that he experienced and made it part of him, and all the way through, it never shook. All the way through and afterwards. He never he's, he he tells the story from sort of his father's perspective, but all right. these things that happened to him while they're in turn, it never shook his father's belief that America could be better than it is. Okay. Know? Yeah. And then the principles that he's founded upon are worth fighting for, are worth believing in. He's passed that on to George Decay, and George Decay has pushed that forward. You know that he yeah. might have been through this awful experience, but it hasn't shaken his faith in in or his belief in the effect that democracy can have. Those know, unwavering, the yeah. yeah, and then yeah, it's unwavering. Yeah, the, the good will. Things can be better. And yeah, people can be better, and yeah, you know, it's just quite timely as well. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you got you got families holed up in Mexico. I mean, uh, yeah. 
you know, all broken apart and whatnot. Um, but you know, it's the thing is, I'm I'm not gonna talk about political stuff. The whole no, it's a, it's a whole uh, it's so depressing. Oh yeah, we're not gonna go there. It's not what it's not what we're about. You know, if you think about it, it's just gonna break your heart. Yeah, I, I you know, Brexit broke mine. If you think leaving the EU is the is the best way forward, I'm sorry, you're a simpleton. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And that's where we we'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah, leave I'm, that there because it's yeah I'm not going any further than that I don't care what we we don't deal in we deal in uh, the lighter side of life and the fantasy side of right. life if you yeah like. because it's nice to escape from reality yes. every once in a while yeah exactly but yeah. I know, the books this week have really hammered home the reality of some sort of situation of of the history and how history has a tendency to repeat itself and that we just go along with it blindly sure yeah but both those books highly recommended like 1941 Archie 1941 is uh, Archie Comics that's available now and They Call His Enemy by George Takei is IDW Top Shelf which is available you can get it on Amazon and it, I highly recommend both check them out check really, them both really, out really do. hi there this is H from Acid Rain and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible clever smart individual I imagine you had a, a cold brew while you uh, well, this week yeah, yeah reading well, these books the thing is only just got around to celebrating the fact that I got a publishing deal. I, I didn't even think about it. I just ploughed on. So because I got the books coming out, I thought, well, what will I do? I'll treat myself and get a couple of beers in. Right? So, so what was your, what was this week's pick? Well, one of my favourite breweries is, a, is, is called Founders. Founders? Founders. Founders Brewing. And they do a range of barrel-conditioned yeah. um, beers. So I had um, Backwards Bastard, which is a bourbon... Backwards? Bastard. That's what I thought you said. Which is, yeah, well, <laughs> very rude. Um, which is a bone barrel conditioned dark ale. Barrel runner, which is sort of a mosaic ale, which is left in rum barrels. And Masagave, which is a lime goza from this from tequila barrels. Not one of these beers is under 10.5%, right? Right. For three of them, I'm just going to, like, take you off to happy land <laughs> in, the, in the tastiest way possible. Right. They are just incredible, and it just proves that when people know what they're doing brewing-wise, and they, they take things a little bit further than other people do, and they say, well, let's try something a little bit different, that sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes, like this barrel condition range from Founders, it absolutely works. Beautiful. But, I mean, the only place I found is on Beer Hawk, and you know, they're not cheap, but if you want to treat yourself, if you want to say, you know, I'm oh, worth it. Gosh darn it, I deserve a treat. <laughs> it's been a hard old week. But I've done this and I've done that and I've earned this and I want to spoil myself a bit. Check them out. It's stark beer. contrast. I had eight cans of a popular Australian beer this week. So <laughs> you, you had, my you body had, is not happy with me. You had Fosters. I had Fosters. It's a wonder you're not dead or dying on the sofa. Do you know what? It was free. It was free. It was at a gig and I was in the atmosphere. It was, you know, it was all, oh. yeah... I, I know it sounds snobby, right? I know it sounds like, look at the hipster there twiddling his little beard, right? No, but I, I can't. I can't drink that stuff anymore. It just is bland and flavourless, and it just, there's just nothing to it. It has to be a certain environment. When, if I'm choosing a beer, hmm. uh, then I'm not going to go for Fosters. But if somebody thrusts the Fosters into my face and goes, "Oh, here's a free Fosters," yeah, see, I'll still say no. <laughs> I will literally say no, no to Fosters, no to Carly. Take no it clean the sink with it. What? Take it home and clean the sink with it. <laughs> clean the toilet with it, mate. <laughs> I, I would say no to any of that stuff. Really? Yeah, and I, you know, my body's not a temple. I'm, I'm not Bruce Lee. I'm, but I'm, I just can't go back to drinking that. I can't do it. It's just, it's like, I'd rather do quality than quantity. Yeah. So I'd yeah. rather pay 
like three quid for a good beer then for one good beer yeah then three quid for like four cans of australian crap <laughs> <laughs> and that's not to say that i haven't fallen off the wagon occasionally and gone i'll have six cans of paps blue room <laughs> i'm not saying that it hasn't happened because that has happened on occasion i have been known to indulge in that but on the whole i would rather yeah i'm a quality not quantity kind yeah of, i agree just in like, normal you know, circumstances that's like the bad religion song quality not quantity i, I was just it was at the hardcore show and you know and i'm not apologizing i, I enjoyed them <laughs> i did i, I, I yes. enjoyed every drop yes. i'm not apologizing yes. to you you pathetic old man <laughs> it's literally it's like a star wars the moment. Like, hangover was like, worth it's, it. it's like literally the star wars moment here your powers are weak old man i shall <laughs> i shall pay you no heed i imagine we'll have a, a, a nice slow of uh cider to talk about next week though well, hopefully, well, we'll uh, on a little road trip. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hit the road on Friday. Stay and tuned for that one. Hit the road on Friday and off to Mumble Country and see what they <laughs> serve us up there. <laughs> see what they serve us up. Okay. Well, on that on that note, we'll go to another song. Uh, let's have a uh, positive reaction band out of South Wales. <laughs> no, known to all of us. In, in, in... No, not known to all of us. Known to me and known to you. I think you should know the band. If you don't know the band, yeah, positive reaction from South Wales, old school hardcore. This is know it all. You catch this thing, you can catch grease lightning. Okay, that was Know It All by Positive Reaction. South Wales Hardcore, check them out. You can find them on Facebook and Bandcamp. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Plug, 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 plug. plug. <laughs> and once again, that brings us to the end of the show. We just want to shout out for a few people who've yeah, helped well, bring this thing together. Uh, shout out to Alex, uh, Alexander Sadius, because, you know, Crossover is still one of the best music books I've read in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, just go out and get it. Support Alex. It's on Cherry Red. Cherry Red, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a great document of an incredible time in, in music. Uh, founders Brewing, because they make some of the best damn beer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they put a smile on this old man's face. Thanks to the Chuck Norris experiment. Yeah. Uh, uh, look out for their new record, which is coming out in September. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. It's on No Balls Records. That's going to be a blinder. Thanks to uh, Made of Teeth and Fimasculata, two bands who you really need to check out. And that's about it from us, isn't it? And that is about it. Check us out. We're on Podbean and massmovement.co.uk that's us that's us and we'll see you next time ta-ta